Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Aaron Grumbles About, the series where the A half of the A&M podcast just kind of gives his two cents about things that he watches. I don't know why I'm speaking in the third person. I'm right here. From now on, we're going to shift back to first person. Hello, it's me, your boy, uh, Aaron. And yeah, this episode is going to be all about season two of the hit series, Star Wars The Clone Wars. Was it better than season one? The short answer? Yes. Okay, so Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 2. What is there to say about this one? Um, strides have been taken. How about that? Definite, definite improvement in, in just about every category. I know on my wish list for Season 1, I was asking for fights that make more sense, more stuff with side Jedi and side characters, and less jokes, less Jar Jar, hopefully a little bit more overall maturity. And did it deliver? I would say that so far everything has gotten significantly better. Just so, so much better. So the question then becomes, how has it improved? And uh, let's just dissect that a little bit piece by piece, right? So let's look at the overall story. So one thing that this season two has done, which I appreciate above almost everything else, is the shift to longer arcs. Uh, for example, most of the stuff that happens early on on Geonosis um, and the Cad Bane kidnappings, but especially, especially the Mandalore stuff. Um, I commented last time that the the strength of this Filoni Clone Wars series, what one strength that it had over the Gendi old 2D micro series, is that this Filoni series does better with the longer overall story arcs uh, than it does the single episodic uh, stories. So in that sense, I'm glad that it's decided to kind of double down and stick with what it knows best and don't do too many um, what I would classify as filler episodes, just episodes made to pad time out throughout the season. Uh, there are a couple filler episodes definitely within this season too, and we'll talk about some of them later on, um, because honestly, not all of them are bad. Um, this season, like I said, just overall improvement in every category, even the filler. So that's awesome. But definitely the shift to longer story arcs, I think, is a strength that this show um, hopefully continues to rely on and go back to and even, you know, improve upon. Another thing that I've picked up the series is starting to do, which I'm, I, I'm almost 100% certain it's going to go even harder on this in the future. But one thing that it started to do with this season is it started to portray the Jedi in a less than positive light, um, such as uh, the episode where they basically Yoda and Mace Windu force Padme to coerce an old boyfriend to, um, to stop him from joining the Separatists or something which makes for some really funny uh, Anakin comedy in that episode. But um, just goes to show that, you know, the Jedi aren't all that in a bag of chips. They're not, they're not the heroic heroes that... Um, they're not always in the, in the 
the morally white. Yeah, so uh, another strong choice is to just make the Jedi um, the Jedi less than sympathetic, I suppose. We get to see um, a tribute episode to Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, and that's the episode where, um, well, you know, the, the Seven Samurai is that classic, classic kind of story where a, a group of warriors stumbles across a village who is basically defenseless and they're being harassed by, by pirates or, 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 or something, a bad band of, of bad guys, right? And the warriors have to train the villagers how to defend themselves, and then they have a fight against the, the bad guys. Classic, classic story. I think, I, I believe Akira Kurosawa made it. Like he, he invented it with Seven Samurai, which is an old 50s, I believe, Japanese film. And then Americans adapted that into the Magnificent Seven, like the Western. And it's actually not the first time that Star Wars has done this because, or actually, I suppose this would be the first time um, because there's an episode of The Mandalorian that does this exact same thing, uh, the exact same Seven Samurai premise. But Mandalorian came out, obviously, 2019, and this this second season of The Clone Wars came back came out back in 2010, I believe. So they actually did it first, but it's just kind of funny to see that Star Wars has now done Seven Samurai twice. Um, still loved to see the tribute, though. This season actually also had a double episode story uh, as basically it looked like a tribute to the original Godzilla, how um, it, it's, it's the Zillow beast. I mean, obviously it's in the name, but even in the story, how the Republic devises this kind of bomb that um, awakes this ancient beast from its slumber yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of godzilla similarities in there and even king kong too because they bring it back to coruscant so um it's nice to see a little bit of homages you know it's fun to see uh how other stories would play out in the star wars universe i think that's really really cool so yeah even even just goes to show that even the single episode stories they've gotten better they've gotten way more entertaining way more memorable but enough about the stories um looking at the animation there, there, there's not too much of a difference in the art style of the animation, but there's a clear, and, and, and I, I love it so much, there's a clear improvement in cinematography. Some of these shots are just stunning. Um, in my mind, the entire campaign, that, that second battle of Geonosis, as I believe it's called, that campaign stands out in particular. Um, there, there were so many shots of just all the Republic gunships flying into anti-air, uh, anti-air artillery from uh, the droids and the and the Geonosian fighters on the ground and and in the air. Um, it was crazy stuff. For the first time in, in in a long, long time, I think since Rogue One for me, honestly, uh, to see a true, full-scale battle play out in this universe. Um, that felt really good. So that that was really cool. Um, all the stuff on Geonosis. But what I'm most happy about, these are probably my top two most improved categories, which I am so, so happy about. Um, the first one is character development. And it's like across the board. Number one example. Um... Anakin and Padme's relationship, right? Like, I feel like when people think, <laughs> when people think of Anakin and Padme's relationship, they always go back to, I don't like sand. It's coarse, rough. 
you know, them playing around on Naboo and 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 uh, and the speech at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Where she's like, you're going down a path I can't follow. Like, like that whole thing and, and all the memes and whatnot. It, obviously, the point being is that, like, that relationship is generally seen as pretty much a joke. It's cool to see competent... <laughs> That's mean. Um, it's nice to see that relationship actually be given a decent amount of time to play out um, and develop. I, I think that episode, there, there are more than just this one episode, but the one episode that stands out to me is when Anakin is forced to basically play bodyguard as Padme has to go respark something with an old boyfriend on the behest of the Jedi Council. Um, I think that that episode is really, really funny because just the whole jealousy factor and everything. But just having like them be on screen together and have conversations makes for more than pretty much anything episodes two or three gave us three three is okay i'll I'll forgive revenge of the sith but attack of the clones like all that nonsense yeah it's nice to just see these people be people as opposed to them just being rolled out onto the geonosis execution arena and sharing the kiss you know (laughs) but honestly in terms of character development the mvp award goes to mr Obi-Wan Kenobi, or should I say General Kenobi, because of um, the entire what could have been romance storyline that he gets uh, with the Queen of Mandalore, the Duchess, Duchess of Mandalore. I think that stuff is fascinating. Um, It presents a wholly unique dimension to Obi-Wan's character. There's nothing I've seen quite like it in any other prior Star Wars work concerning Obi-Wan. And um, just reading a little bit more into the relationship and uh, the implications for his character, I think I, I like I didn't like it at first because I thought, oh, Obi-Wan wouldn't ever break from the order like that. He wouldn't ever uh, have a personal attachment. That's just not Obi-Wan's thing. That's, that's Anakin's playbook, not Obi-Wan's. But after thinking about it, I actually ended up loving this uh, so much because I, I feel like it could be directly connected to Obi-Wan's time as Qui-Gon Jinn's apprentice. And it's specifically Qui-Gon because Qui-Gon was known to be the maverick Jedi. He didn't adhere to, to Jedi order philosophy or teachings as strongly as, uh, as say, the, the Jedi Council do, right? As, as strongly as someone like Mace Windu does, or, or even Yoda. Qui-Gon... Qui-Gon Jinn would have absolutely let Obi-Wan feel his feelings out as opposed to the hard Jedi stance of never letting personal feelings get in the way. Um, And it's consistent because it's consistent writing because Obi-Wan ultimately being more aligned with Jedi philosophy, he he chose the order over over the Duchess. But it's the Qui-Gon Jinn influence that becomes the subtext in the line that Obi-Wan has, which is uh, Obi-Wan says in one episode, had you given the word, I would have left the order. It's fascinating stuff because they're, they're, I love the conflict there. Um, all of the Mandalore stuff is great, honestly. Probably the strongest part of the series thus far, I think by a long shot. I, I would say Mandalore is so strong because the second of the, of the two, the two biggest improvement areas, the first one, like I said, was character development. The second one of the two is world building. 
world building, it, it wasn't an issue for season one. Like I didn't put that on my list of gripes because I think season one did a, a totally just fine job of developing the Star Wars universe. But like I said, I believe Mandalore is a standout and uh, it receives a lot of attention in the world building department. I recall a lot of the old expanded universe lore of that planet, of its history, through uh, the story of my boy, Jango Fett. Jango Fett once killed six Jedi with his bare hands. That's He's like the John Wick of the Star Wars universe. No Jango Fett slander will be tolerated. <laughs> um, in, uh, in the Legends expanded universe... Jango Fett was, uh, he was made an orphan by the terrorist organization called Death Watch, and he joins a faction called the True Mandalorians and eventually becomes their leader. Uh, and this is all taking place on a planet called Concord Dawn. In this season of the Filoni series, the Death Watch is repurposed into a similar terrorist organization that is condemned by the real Mandalorians who are pacifists. And the Death Watch, they hail from a moon of Mandalore called Concordia. So that's a nice, this is a perfect example of nice little restructuring of the canon. Jango Fett is literally, he's brought up by Kenobi. And uh, one of the Mandalorian leaders is like, oh, oh, Jango Fett, he isn't one of us. I don't know how he got that armor. Uh, I don't, I don't know. He's just, uh, he's just some loser bounty hunter. Um, so that's, that's actually pretty interesting. I'm not sure if there's been i'm not sure if there has been disney canon established background for Django yet but uh i'm not the biggest fan of of my boy being tossed to the side like that uh he is one of my favorite characters and i quite liked his legacy as one of the heroes of mandalore um but i i oh well you know you can't win them all um they're gonna do their own thing mandalore um the writers actually do an interesting thing with mandalore too where uh they uh they represent the, the planet of Mandalore itself and its government, they represent the interests of all the neutral planets in the galaxy who want absolutely no part of the Clone Wars, which is awesome, right? Because um, like the perspective of the bystanders of the galaxy who are just looking at these two sides going at it, I feel like that stuff is always interesting. Um, but since Mandalore is, is it's in a state of civil, basically civil war with uh, the Death Watch, <laughs> you have both um the republic and the separatists who are trying to like you know dm mandalore basically and just like yeah yo what, what up you good you need help need some ships ha just kidding unless like it gives a voice to the the vast majority of the galaxy who wants nothing to do with the, the jedi and sith just throwing weapons of mass destruction at each other i think that's awesome that's a, that's an awesome way of of fleshing out the conflict um, and, uh, obviously I think that does also play into just the overall improvement of, uh, tone maturity as well. The show is much more serious and like it's, it's gotten much more into the politics, which was a, was a big criticism of the prequels, but I actually think this is good politics. It's, it's, it's more, um, it's more Game of Thronesy as opposed to Star Wars prequely, you know, um, if that, if that's the spectrum of. Uh, fictional politic right um and uh i know what you might be thinking uh with all this praise that i'm just kind of giving the show right now you're like is there is there a butt coming 
like, like what's Aaron going to complain about? And um, there is some things. <laughs> um, there, there are still some episodes where it's just like the the Geonosian, like the stuff. Like while I really like the Geonosis battle that that campaign, the stuff with like the zombies and the queen and the mind control worms that that all just felt very strange. I I felt like that was a I felt like that was a very very abrupt change of 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 genre. <laughs> uh, I guess you could chalk it up to oh it was kind of just like a filler episode, but um I don't know. It just it it came so out of left field and like the queen could speak English, but none of the other Genosans can do that, but she's never even been in daylight because she's buried underground i don't know like 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 those 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 couple episodes they were just strange and then there's one other standout episode that i didn't like and that was the episode with padme and bail organa and um i think mon mothma it was the episode where there was a murder in the senate it's like a whodunit yeah some some senator gets killed and there's a whole detective voiced by Tom Kenny. So all I could hear was SpongeBob whenever this dude was talking. But like, there's this short, fat detective character who is just super annoying, and uh, I I couldn't stand. Um, and the problem with that episode, it wasn't just it wasn't because um of the premise, because you know a whodunit in the Senate that that could be cool. That's that's never you know whodunits are fun. I, I like whodunits, but the problem was they set up a whodunit. Um, how do I explain this? They set up their whodunit in a way that, like, you couldn't possibly guess wrong as to who the killer was. <laughs> so let me let me explain the situation a little bit. So here's 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 the setup. There are five people in the room and five of them are as follows. There's Padme Amidala, Bail Organa, Mon Mothma, the senator that dies, he gets poisoned and he dies, and then that senator's friend or something, another senator, right? So one of these characters is dead. That narrows it down to four people who could have done it. Um if 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 you're a Star Wars fan, you know obviously Padme's out, Bail Organa's out, and Mon Mothma's out. So that leaves exactly one person for who could have done it. <laughs> and and I know that they set up these two other characters uh as as, as for like, oh, possible suspects, but like you just kinda know. <laughs> there's there's no way because these two characters are it, it's way too obvious, which means that the then obvious answer is this nobody who's in a room full of very important very much lawful good characters you know <laughs> um i don't know it was it was a very yeah i would honestly say it's a waste of 22 minutes i would skip this episode uh if i was ever going back through it this is a dumb thing but i hate that in every single episode in every no matter what the situation is all if you're like a background clone in in this universe they them dudes just they just die they just die in one hit <laughs> um like like it's nobody's business 
and I don't I don't like that because I don't know I just feel like uh I commented in the last episode that I feel like a lot of the a lot of the brutal deaths they just kind of go to the clones and like it, it's so unnecessary some of them but like I don't know um when you see it you just kind of wince and just go like was that was that needed I don't know and then another thing just looking into that is just like how do how do these jedi these jedi knights how do they possibly remember clone names when they're clearly replaced like it's nothing right like they go out of their way to give these clones single word names like um adjectives as names like oh lefty or fives or blue or peanut butter like like they all get a nickname <laughs> right um but it doesn't make sense because they lose them at such a rate that it's just like how do you know any of these people I think there's a season one episode where Ahsoka loses her whole like fighter squad. And it's like a big deal that whole episode. She's like super depressed for the rest of it. So like they'll feel bad for the death of their clones in one episode, but they'll gloss over it completely in others because those clones are built to be forgotten and replaced with other adjectives, <laughs> other, other clones with different adjectives, right? Like, it's I don't know I just I find that to be super inconsistent it, it it doesn't bother me but it's just a thing I've noticed there are still some episodes with side characters getting some limelight but but less so um but that's okay because like I've said earlier the the, the overall story has just improved so much more so that's that's such a relief um and I'm willing to I'm willing if, if 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 the material of the main characters is as good or even better than what we've gotten this season I'm okay with sacrificing filler episodes for guys like Kit Fisto or, or other obscure Jedi. Like that, that's okay. As long as the main stuff is, if the main course is delicious enough, I'm not worried about uh, the side dishes to compare it to a meal. <laughs> the one thing that the Gendy show, the Gendy 2D micro series from 2003 that I love so much one thing that that Gendy show absolutely has over at least two seasons of the new Clone Wars show are the quiet moments that allow for the story to play out without um, being told what's happening. Season two's obviously gotten better, but uh, as with season one, it's still the kind of quippy kind of vibe that uh, just this show is kind of tonally going for, which is fine. Because uh, it's it's gotten much better at handling that and balancing it, but the Gendy show still has just the quiet moments, right? Those things that I look back on really fondly. There aren't quiet moments in the Filoni series so far, but there have been moments this season that have hit way harder than anything in season one. And there's one moment that I can. I can only give the highest praise to it's it's my favorite moment of the whole show by far and it happens in the middle of the Mandalore plot because again that Mandalore stuff that's that good stuff that is that good stuff and it's the moment it's like a, it's like a little two-minute scene where uh the, it's, an, it's another episode with another traitor senator and uh he's holding the Duchess of Mandalore captive and Obi-Wan's uh, rushing to rescue her and there's a bomb involved. It's gonna blow up the whole ship or something. And uh, the 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 it's kind of like a space Mexican standoff, right? Where um, the traitor senator is like Obi Wan, you uh, you have to be the hero because if you strike me down, like uh, you'll save everybody on the ship, 
but not everybody's going to like you, pointing to uh, his old girlfriend, the Duchess of Mandalore. And he's like, oh, Duchess of Mandalore, you can't do anything because if you, if you try to uh, strike me down, you'll be a hypocrite for breaking your pacifist ways. And he, he starts monologuing. And he's like, so who's it going to be? Uh, who's going to strike me down as a cold-blooded killer? And he gets promptly stabbed in the back by Anakin fucking Skywalker. And the Imperial March just starts playing in the background. And, um, I, like, I, 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 uh, um, I, like, leapt out of my seat when I was watching it. I was so, so happy. I thought that shit was brilliant. Um, I don't know, just, just, like, like, that, right? Like, that right there. Just, like, there's, there's so much in it where it's just, like, um, you know, people will probably say, oh, the Imperial March playing overhead is a little, uh, a little on the nose. I think it's perfect <laughs> because um when has star wars ever not been on the nose right um but just having uh th- this is a this is uh a perfect example of the clone wars show doing what i know it's going to do even better which is uh depict that that fall of anakin uh flesh out that dark side part of him you know let's let's pad out that transition from episodes two to three right <laughs> because yeah um Another big criticism of the the prequel series is that Anakin's turn makes no sense uh, because he's just kind of a, a whiny baby or whatever. But if you show little moments like this where he has the dark side tendencies, he's willing to do the morally ambiguous to morally bad choice. Like, yeah, okay. The, that turn to the dark side starts to make more sense. And that is good writing. And that is a good, this, this example is, is a nice, perfect, concise little, uh, a nice little perfect painting that speaks a thousand words, you know, um, gotta love that. Gotta love that moment. So one of my main gripes of the last season were the power fluctuations in characters. And, uh, the question there is, have the power fluctuations gotten better? I think that the answer to this one's a little bit more up in the air. Um, I would say that the combat performances of the characters, they've stayed pretty consistent from their season one portrayals. Not necessarily consistent from the old Expanded Universe or my own personal headcanon. <laughs> um, there are several moments where someone of like Obi-Wan Kenobi's caliber, they're in trouble and it's just like, you know, you're watching it and you're just kind of like, Yo, use the force, but they don't use the force until the very end of the action sequence. There's a lot of little things like that, but I mean, they do add up. Um, however, however, we have, we have a counter. We have a counter to the problem that was presented in, um, in season one, not presented, but a problem that occurred in season one. And this counter goes by the name of Cad Bane, the bounty hunter Cad Bane. Gotta love this dude. Um, Cad Bane, he's not a correction, but he's a perfect character made to justify situations where the top tier guys are outplayed. Cad Bane is just, he's several steps ahead of everyone at all times. He's a chess, he's a true chess master. He's, uh, he's remarkably good at getting out of situations and he doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have the Asajj Ventress problem 
where you where you ask yourself, okay, so how strong is she? I'm confused. Like like she can do one thing here, but not there. Um, it's 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 every in every fight that Cad Bane's in, it's it's clear to see that that Cad Bane in a true one on one confrontation, he would lose to Anakin. He would lose to Obi Wan, Mace Windu. He'd probably even he would lose to Ahsoka. Um, but with Cad Bane, there are no true one-on-ones because that's just how he, that's, that's how he operates. He's, he's a trickster. He's, he's a, he's a gunslinger. You know, he, he, he's smarter than everybody else in the room and that's why it works so well with him. So they completely avoid the whole power fluctuations with that character. So that's a nice little balance. I really appreciate how this character operates in the story. I wasn't expecting this one at all, but uh, General Grievous, actually, <laughs> he gets a lot better this season. Um, he has some moves. There's a, there's a short duel with Obi-Wan that I really liked. Um, and he, he, he's, he's still a scrub compared to the Gendy 2D cartoon. But, I mean, no one has ever been or will ever be on that level. The, the Gendy Grievous, that dude is <laughs> he's beyond Star Wars. <laughs> he's a freak. Um, yeah, just, just, just overall, I would say that, uh, season two, it's shown me why people consider this show, the Clone Wars to be the real deal. It's this season has had some of the best Star Wars stuff I've seen in a while. Um, of 22 episodes, there were only about three or four that I disliked as opposed to me only liking seven of 22 for season one. This season, clearly a giant leap forward, and I'm very, very much looking forward to continuing with season three. But yeah, that wraps up pretty much my general thoughts of season two of The Clone Wars. Uh, I tried to get a little bit more specific to try to flesh out uh, some of my thoughts and not keep it so bogged down in vague general sense. But hey, let me know what you guys think of season two of The Clone Wars or season one, because that's all I've seen so far. And uh, let me know if uh, I'm off base on anything. If I'm completely wrong, I'd like to know. <laughs> is is it actually bad? Is it actually way better than I'm than I'm thinking it is? Please talk to me. Well, you can find the A and M podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts under the A and M podcast. You can find us on Twitter at A and M podcast, and you can find us on Instagram at Aaron and Marco. That is where all of our announcements for new episodes of the podcast and new episodes of Aaron Grumbles About are going to be posted. So stay tuned and look out for those. And as always, feel free to reach out with your thoughts on pretty much anything movie related. We'd love to talk to you. Start a discussion. This has been Aaron for episode two of Aaron Grumbles About. And I will see you guys in the next one for either season three of The Clone Wars or if I watch something else that I want to talk about. All right. Peace.